Well, hello, and welcome back to the Middle of Culture. I'm one of your co-hosts, Peter Jones. And I am your other co-host, Braden Jones. And, well, Braden, how have you been doing these days? Um, You know, it's been okay. I have been, in an effort to prepare myself for our conversation uh, today, I've been playing a lot of video games, <laughs> a lot of different video games. Well, and a lot of them I've noticed are not very good, but that's okay. It sounds to me like you might have done a little bit more homework than I have. I've been a little busy lately with uh, with work and with life. And then as kind of mentioned to you before we were officially recording, uh, been getting into Dungeons and Dragons a little bit lately, something I'd kind of always wanted to do. But it's been fun because Gareth, you know, our, our youngest, he has been, he's really into it. And so he's been creating oh, nice. characters and looking, you know, he'll sit down and flip through the player's handbook and stuff like that. And so it's been a lot of fun to kind of help support him in that and, and kind of be part of that. And, and that's actually been one of the things that has occupied a little bit of my free time the last little bit. So I have not been playing any video games, but today we're going to talk about some video games and, uh, we are going to talk about some video games and, and what we thought we would do and what I, it was kind of an idea that I stole from a, a podcast network, the incomparable, they'll do what they call drafts. And again, the idea behind the draft is you start off with a list of things and once somebody picks it, then it's no longer available. The other person or the other people can't pick it. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do a draft of first person shooter video games. So Absolutely, there's going to be a lot of first-person shooters that we don't address, but we've created kind of a list of ones that the that we felt we were familiar enough that we could have some type of opinion, and then we are going to uh, going to go ahead and take turns picking uh, from this list to comprise our top five list for first-person shooter games. So again, if someone else picks the game, it is no longer available. And, uh, if it was on your list and it was something that you were going for and the other person picks it, well, I guess you're screwed. So there you go. Okay. I have a question for you before we get started. Yes, a please. rules clarification Absolutely. question, if you will. Let's do it. Point, point of order, as we would say, if we were playing D and D, um, if it, are, there are many of these that are franchises Correct. that might have multiple games in them. If you draft it, are you drafting the whole franchise thereby taking it away from the other person or are you drafting a specific game within that franchise? I would say we are because I'm leaning towards the former. Now see, I would say we are drafting a specific game and the, and the reason perhaps I would say that is because I think that there are some franchises that have some real standout, um, entries. Of course. That I think it's worth talking about those particular entries in the context of the uh, franchise as a whole. But I would be inclined to say uh, that we're picking specific games. Okay. You you all right with that? We can do that. I'm I'm good with that. It's hey, this was your idea, so however you want to play it, I'm down with it. All right. Well, to start off, to figure out who's going first, we want to try and make it as fair as possible. So we're going to go ahead and do a coin toss, and I'm going to do the coin toss digitally using uh, the app Dice by PCalc, which I'm a big fan of. And so I'm going to spin. I'm going to flip it the coin and you call heads or tails. So coin okay. is flipping and your call heads. Ooh. And it came up tails. So that's okay. I like picking second. Lucky me. I get to go. He first. says they say shiftily. <laughs> so again, what we're going to do is we're each going to take turns. We're going to go through, we're going to pick 
uh, one at a time until we have a list of five uh, games. And then once that's done, we can kind of talk about ones that maybe we didn't pick. And uh, then we also thought it might be fun to talk about some games that were on our list that didn't make the cut and maybe why did they not make the cut? But, all right, you know, going first carries with it a significant amount of power. And so I feel like I need to make sure I use that power appropriately. And I am going to... Because really, what you're saying is, what's the best FPS to you? That is correct. Because, you know... Because you're trying to snipe it out from the other person. Yep. So I... mm, I'm looking at my list here, and I think I am going to pick Portal as my first game in the draft. Um, Specifically Portal, not Portal 2. Specifically Portal, not Portal 2. I... I like both of them. Well, I would actually say I love both of those games. And I think that they're both very good games. And there are definitely a few things about Portal 2 that I like more. But at the same time, there was something for me that was so just beautiful about the first Portal. It was this concise, um, you know, maybe three, three and a half hours, somewhere in there. And it did such neat things with taking you, putting you in a situation where you felt like it was just a puzzle game. And then it starts to peel back these little layers and you realize there's a whole lot more going on. And then at the end, it's just kind of completely off the rails. And, you know, you're, I mean, spoilers to a game that's what? 15 plus years old now or something like that. I mean, it's, yeah, I I think it's fair to say that we'll spoil any game that we (laughs) pick. Sorry to anyone who's like a doom head. Who's like, don't tell me what happened in 1993's doom, Brayden. (laughs) Perfect. I'm glad we're on the same page, but you know, all of a sudden now you're trying to, to escape and, and you're trying to not get incinerated and you're going behind all these perfect, pristine white panels of the aperture science testing labs and, and realizing that this is all, you know, you've been at the hands of, of a psychotic um, and a psychotic artificial intelligence. And it was, I remember finishing Portal and thinking to myself, this is, in my opinion, perhaps the best single example of what games can do that no other medium can do. It can tell a story in a way that no other medium can really tell because of that interactive nature of it and how much it asked of you as the player and just the feeling of accomplishment when you'd figure out one of the trickier puzzles, but then couple that with, okay, I've been led through these puzzles. I've learned additional mechanics. I've gotten better at the mechanics of this game. And now I need to take all these things I've learned and I need to apply them in a way to defeat this artificial intelligence. Um, I just, I loved it. I don't know. I, I'm talking a lot about Portal. What do you think about Portal, Braden? I think the first Portal is one of the best games ever made. I w- wouldn't make a top 10 list for me because it's not one of my favorites, but it's one of the best games ever made. I think the second one is good and not as good. Yep, it's, it's good, not great to me. It's too long um, and it gets too convoluted in terms of it's like, weird lore backstory and trying to tangentially tie it into the rest of the half-life universe which i find boring i think half-life's world building is mediocre at best so i have no interest in it tying into that because i don't care about half-life uh 
no matter how much the first time I played that first game in 1998 made me lose my mind, I still don't think that the series as a whole, the lore of the series as a whole is like, who cares? Agree. So I don't care about Portal 2 as much because it ties into all that stuff and I don't care. But that first Portal game, I think you're exactly right, did something that no other medium can do. And part of what made it so interesting, even within its own medium, is that you are not actively causing violence in that game. You do not have a gun that can do gun thing. Yep. You have a gun that can shoot whole. And so because your gun shoot whole, you have to figure out how to obliquely solve the things that you need to solve. Or if I need to take out a turret, I need to figure out, well, I need to make a portal so I can drop something on it. Or I need to figure out how to make these two, these two turrets, you know, shoot each other mm -hmm. or something like that which makes it a more lateral move in terms of especially FPS games because it's not really a shooter because I'm not shooting a gun. But it works because of that uh, kind of subverting your expectations. You know, it comes out in what, 2008, 2009-ish? It came I want to say is when the Orange Box, box came out. And I wanna, my, see, I want to say maybe it was actually 07. At, at any rate, it was, it was you somewhere know, in there. It might have been 07 ish, yeah. It was early-ish in the... 360s life cycle so they were able to you know put the half-life games on the 360 they were able to leverage that higher processing power um they were able to you know do a lot of stuff that they hadn't done previously and you know the 360 is the shooter console of shooter of shooter consoles yep. like every notable game i can think of that was a 360 game be it a first person or a third person game is really like a big shooter like you know, Mass Effect is a big shooter. Yep. Uh, you know, the Call of Duty games made their bread and butter on an Xbox, you know? And so for it to come out on the Xbox and be this, again, lateral move where it's like, well, you don't have a gun. You have a whole gun. So you need to figure out how to use holes to really futz up the situation here. Yeah. And again, like you said, it was so compact. It was so focused. You could get through it in one sitting and I think that those all really work to making it just kind of a little masterpiece of game construction. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons I had to pick it first is at the time I played Portal, I would say I was kind of in a bit of a, uh, a video game drought. Like I was in the middle of the desert and I hadn't been playing anything and I hadn't really been interested in anything. Nothing had been kind of grabbing me. And then I played Portal and I remember finishing it and thinking to myself, oh yeah, this is why I like video games. And it kind of rekindled my enjoyment and, and I'd even say perhaps my love of video games. And so it, it to me is kind of one of those seminal moments when I think about video games, that experience of completing the first Portal is is just so ingrained in my memory that that's why I had to go with it first. I had to make sure I got that one. It's a very good choice for first. All right, your first pick. What you got for us? I mean, I think I already presaged it in the um, spoiler warning discussion. It's Doom. It's Doom ass Doom. Original 1993 Doom. <laughs> I genuinely believe that it is the greatest video game ever made so far. Period. Okay. Now, the so far leaves it open to being superseded at some point. And again, it's not my favorite game. It would make my top 10 favorite games. But my favorite game of all time is not the greatest game of all time. 
Final Fantasy fourteen is a good is a good game that I love and have donated uh, have uh, di- uh, uh, you know donated or I'm trying to think of how you would say it in English. I've given. <laughs> literally hundreds of hours thousands at this point of hours of my life to final fantasy 14 i love that game but it's not the best game ever made doom is the greatest doom's the greatest game ever made because it basically took what was a very niche very small um kind of offshoot of platformers there were a couple of games that had come out before it that were first person shooters your original wolfenstein 3d your you've got uh you know blake stone aliens from space which was built in the wolfenstein engine Mm -hmm. and then those folks from id said let's make this move in a way that a video game has never moved before because like movement in Wolfenstein is clunky and slow and and ver- and everything in Wolfenstein is straight angles and right angles and straight lines and hallways mm-hmm. and it's fun like Wolfenstein's a great game but Doom took all of those things and blew it up suddenly it was not constrained to right angles and straight hallways it was these enormous vistas of burning cities in the background and you know absurd architecture that makes no sense and but that you learn to intuit so well as you explore it and that's the other thing that i think makes doom so seminal is that it is a killer shooter it is a great shooter that is just hard enough that like you really got to try at it but not so difficult that you can't learn to beat it sure you know like some of these games there's no world i could beat them without cheat codes and they don't put cheat codes in games anymore so they're just some games that i don't play anymore yeah because I'm like, I don't have the skill for this. I wish I had the skill for this, but I don't. And they don't make cheat codes anymore, so I can't just like hit the tilde and type IDDQD like I can in Doom, which means that I am invincible if I want to just play it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, that's how seminal this game is to me. I know I have played it so many times that I still know the invulnerability code. That's impressive. It's I. It's IDDQD. You hit the tilde, you put that in, and suddenly your eyes turn yellow and you don't take any damage anymore. <laughs> um, but, like, the thing about that game is it is a great shooter, but it is also a um, an exercise in exploration. There are so many times in that game where you have to double back or you have to, you know, go down certain secret passageways to try to find keys so that you can go back and unlock the doors that you've already passed. And there's... There's such a sense of exploration and wonder in Doom uh, that that you can still feel to this day. If you pop Doom down in front of a person who's never played Doom before, I still think that they'll have a really good time because it moves super fast. You are cruising through that thing. Yeah. You move so fast in that game and you shoot so quick and you don't really have to aim that carefully because it is all actually on a 2d plane because all of the uh verticality is pretend because it's literally just a 2d plane in that game and all of the verticality is virtual and and the other thing that makes doom so important i think in terms of first person you know games is that they then release the source code Mm -hmm. and it's online for free Mm -hmm. you can download the source code you can't download doom the game doom because Bethesda owns it now and Bethesda 
while I love many of their products, are a very greedy corporation, and they're like, no, we will keep all these things. So you still have to pay money for Doom if you want to play Doom as Doom. But you can download GZ Doom, and then you can load the wads that people have been creating for the last 30 years and play a bajillion different Doom games. Yeah. And, and skins of Doom games. I remember when Chex Quest came in our <laughs> box of rice checks. Do you remember yes, Chex Quest? Yes, I remember Chex Quest. Absolutely. That game that game slapped and it was <laughs> it was a straight up reskin of doom yep 100%. one to one you can go through and say this gooey guy is this enemy in doom this gooey guy is this enemy in doom this scorch scorcher is this gun this triple scorcher is the minigun and it was all there and you can but you can still go play that today you could go download that today totally free load it up play it and Chex Quest 2, which was only available from the website, and someone even made a Chex Quest 3, which is maybe even better than the other two. I had no and idea And, like, about games that. are still coming out. It, uh, I bought a game just a couple of weeks ago. They had, a like, a retro-esque uh, FPS bundle on Humble Bundle or whatever, and I bought it, and one of them is called Hedon Blood Rite. Yeah, no, it's still up. And I that think. is... It, it's good. You should go pick it up, if only for Heden. It is worth the money just for Heden because Heden is built entirely in the Doom engine, but it is even more focused in exploration. Oh. It is very much like, what if you took Doom and Thief and merged them together? Very good. Uh, yeah, no, I'll definitely have to check that out. I So that is why, for me, Doom is still the game. Because I can go buy a game today that is built on the bones of Doom, built in the engine of Doom, and it still plays like nobody's business. There is absolutely no question that Doom revolutionized video gaming. Just across the board. Not even just FPS games. I mean, Doom revolutionized video gaming. And and like you said, we are still seeing and can still feel the effects of that game today. So I think it's a great first pick. I don't have the same affection for doom and I don't know that I could tell you why I have a little bit more affection for doom too. And there's one reason and one reason only, and I'll just go ahead and throw it in here since we're talking doom. I have this, you know, you get these core memories in life. And another one of my core memories in life was being in the, um, it was the, computer lab, the honors program computer lab at the Merrill library at Utah state university. It was my freshman year of college. So this would have been either end of 94 or beginning of 1995. And it was a Saturday night and I'm in there and somebody had loaded doom two on one of these computers in the honors lab. And I somehow stumbled across it and I just started playing doom two. And I played doom two until I was like, I need to go back to my apartment. This is, this is late. What am I doing? <laughs> and I come out yeah. of the honors computer lab, this teeny little lab. Well, I had like four computers and it had a little, you know, you had to punch in the the numbers to, to get in and stuff. So it's not like it was a normal computer lab. There was nobody working there. And I come out and the library is empty and the lights are <laughs> I off. I remember this. And the library's closed and I am freaking out because I've been playing doom two for like four hours. I'm already 10, which, you know, those games are old, but they're still spooky as crap. Oh, totally. And now all of a sudden they still have an atmosphere to them. Yeah. 
And, and I am in this locked, like com- this locked library up on the Utah state university campus. And I'm like, Oh crap, I'm going to set off alarms. The police are going to come. I mean, I just, uh, you know, fortunately the sliding doors were still working from the inside. So they saw me and they opened and I was able to get out of there. And then I ran like hell to get away from there in case I had triggered any sort of alarms. Um, <laughs> Whether that's a good reason for Doom 2 to be my favorite of the Doom franchise or not, I don't care. But that's why Doom 2 is my favorite of the franchise, um, just because I of think that, that's fair. that memory. But no, I think I think Doom is a fantastic pick. And, and for all the reasons you said, I have to uh, I have to totally respect it, even if it's uh, it's not on my list. Good call. I, uh, my one story that I would tell about Doom is the time when our uh, sister Natalie tried to get me in trouble because she was mad at me for something. Oh, yes. Uh, and she knew that I had Doom and Wolfenstein on our computer at home. <laughs> and so she decided to rat me out as retaliation for something. <laughs> so she told mom and dad, Brayton's been playing this game called Doom and this other game called Wolfenstein. And in those games, you're killing people. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, in Doom, you're not killing people. They're they're like monsters and and like demons and like crazy floating balls and and like weird pigs and things like that. And then Dad said, "Well, what about this Wolfenstein game?" And I said, "Well, you're not killing people. You're killing Nazis." Exactly. And he did not. He did not think that was funny. He didn't see the difference. I That's still a very to this day distinction. I still to this day think it's funny that young. I, again, this was almost thirty years ago at this point. So, you know, I was, you know, 10, or I guess I was like 12-ish, probably 11 or 12, and Natalie's trying to get me in trouble, and I'm like, Nazis aren't people, you can kill them. And <laughs> It's a very important distinction. A little older, I agree, a little older Braden would have been like, that's barbaric, but 2022 Braden says, yeah, this is cool, <laughs> it's cool, it's fine. Uh, it's just fascist. Times. It's fine. I, I remember when, and again, this is a little bit off the topic. Do you remember when our youngest sister, Vanessa, um, started having nightmares because of the butcher from the original Diablo? Boy, do I. And, uh, we had to delete Diablo off the uh, computer. We weren't allowed to play Diablo. I, I, I do remember that. Um, and I also remember not deleting it, but hiding it. <laughs> what? You never would have done something Which like is, that. Which is exactly what I did with Doom and Wolfenstein, which dad also made me delete. I didn't delete them, dad. Not that you listen to our podcast, but I didn't delete those. I hid them in another folder. <laughs> you know, I think that's the only right way to address that. That's what uh, that's what kids are supposed to do with silly things like that. So I approve. So being a kid's about. That's exactly right. All right. So what's your number two? All right. My number two, and I'm looking at my list and I'm having a bit of a hard time picking this one, but... I did have such an amazing flashback moment when I was making the list uh, with this particular game that I am going to go ahead and pick No One Lives Forever 2. What a banger. Oh my gosh. So the first one, the what is it? I think it's actually called The Operative, No One Lives Forever. Solid game, fun game. With Nolf 2, I felt like Monolith took everything that they had learned in their previous games between the original no one lives forever and like Shogo armor division and all this. And they really tightened it up and, and just dialed in a game that number one played really, really well. Number two has some of, if not the very best enemy dialogue of any game ever. No one lives forever too is one of those games that as you're playing it, 
if you do not stop, hide, and listen to the enemies for a little bit before you then go all murdering on them, you are missing a significant portion of the charm and the joy of that game. Uh, I remember coming up on hiding behind a crate and on the other side of the crate were a couple uh, of enemies. And I remember these enemies having a conversation about the banality of evil. And I I had to pause the game because I was laughing so hard at the conversation than the dialogue that had been written for these NPCs that you were getting ready to go and kill. It was brilliant. Now, these are one of those games that I have long been lamenting the fact that between steam and good old games and things like that, no one can seem to figure out the rights. And so, you know, I've been desperately waiting for somebody to re-release these games because at some point I lent the discs to somebody years ago and I think either they moved or I moved. And so I don't have them anymore in getting ready for this. I happen to find out that because the rights are in such limbo and, uh, the community at large considers them abandoned wear, it is not difficult to find a link to both of these games, as well as contract Jack, which was kind of a, a side story. Uh, and they are all prepared, put together in little uh, .exe files that you can download, and they will run just fine on modern hardware. And so I installed both the, the first one and the second one and fired them up. Didn't really get into playing them too much, but they are totally playable on modern hardware. And, uh, you know, just, just saying, in case anybody is interested, all three of those games, it, it does not take very long to find them. In fact, one could rather easily get the link through the Wikipedia page for the series. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'll say. God bless the community for um, saving games like that. Yes. And making it so that you can still play those games. I am frankly shocked that, and it, it's probably tied up in the facts that no one can figure out who owns the rights to it. I'm shocked that there has not been a reboot or threequel made to No One Lives Forever because it seems to me especially in today's day and age that it would be such a slam dunk oh, yeah. to make another one of those games. Um, and, and honestly, the closest you can get, the thing that it, re- it reminded me of as you were talking about it, and I thought to myself, that should be on the list. And then I remembered it's a third person game. The IO interactive Hitman games uh-huh. are that Yep. where you will sit around and like, listen to the people around you to try to, you know, figure out the situation, figure out how you're going to throw the briefcase at some guy and while he's walking away as it spins behind him or whatever silly thing, because those are just like chaos playgrounds, Mm -hmm. but listening to the, the enemies, the, the security guards, the grunts, the people, whoever's walking around, just these conversations that are happening all around you. That was what that reminded me of. And like I say, I think it would be a slam dunk and it's surely tied up in the rights issues but they should make another one of those. And if not, if not, no one lives forever. File the numbers off and just make cool '60s spy lady game. Yeah, and you know that was one of the things. And, and it's sad that this is such a low bar. But one of the things that made the first and second No One Lives Forever stand out, honestly, is the fact that you had a female protagonist. And again, it's embarrassing that that's something that makes them stand out. But even to this day, I think it kind of makes them stand out. Yeah, there is a 
an incredible paucity on this list as I'm looking at it of, you know, female led uh, titles. Yeah. Because, like, what else do we got? Portal. A couple of the Dishonored games, maybe. Yeah. You got Portal. You got Unre- the first Unreal game. Mm-hmm. I guess Borderlands, you can pick to play one of the ladies. Yeah. Although, Borderlands. But, like, that doesn't count because there's, like, a bunch of people to choose from. It's not a singular protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, I just remember just being so thoroughly entertained by Nolf 2. Uh, and and it, it it plays well. It's a good game in, in its own right. But again, just so much of the dialogue and the writing was just sharp. It was it was really sharp and it was witty, and it cracked me up. It was it was such a fun game to play. I agree. So, what's your number two? All right, my number two, my number two, uh, fittingly is a number two itself. Uh, Titanfall two, baby. Oh man, I got sniped. I thought I was going to snipe you on that one because that's one of the greatest games I've ever played. Holy crap. It's not very long. It's like six, seven hours to play through that Uh story mode. It's not long. You could do it in a Saturday if you feel like it or, you know, over a week, a a couple hours at a time. But it plays with your expectations so well. And like the story's trite. The story's terrible. You're some boring white dude and the robot is sort of like your pet and sort of like a person, but not really. It's more like a pet. And you're like, I wish this was more like a person, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, great robot. Wish it had better characterization. But some of the stuff that, that makes you do in that game is what really makes it stand out to me. Uh, you know, the the parkour, the, mm-hmm. the wall running that you have to do directly presaged what they would then do in third person with Jedi Fallen Order, which is one of the funnest parts of Jedi Fallen Order, Mm -hmm. are the weird jumping puzzles you have to figure out. Um, But the thing that really clinches it for me is that middle section where you get the time glove. Mm -hmm. Yep. And in the middle section, you have this glove that when you push the button, it zaps you back in time to before this ruined facility was ruined. And so you have to balance this like... uh, you have to walk this very fine line between when you're in the present and when you're in the past in order to like, you don't want to go in the past too long, but you do need to do it to get through obstacles or get past things that have maybe been destroyed in the present. And it was just, I mean, I know how they did it conceptually. Like I understand that the two levels are just both there loaded on top of each other, but when you're playing it, you're just like, how did they pull this off? Yeah. It's a it's a super cool game. I'm sorry I sniped you, but no, it's don't be. That's such a I good mean, game. That's, that's that's what the draft is all about, and it is. It is. I mean, why would you have put it on your list? Tell me why you like it so much. Because there, I don't. At least for me, and yes, you're right. Jedi Fallen Order has some elements of it, but even then, I didn't feel like I don't know. There's something about the movement in that game that was just unforgettable, and how fluid it felt. The factory and and how. Once you got the hang of the the wall running and the knee sliding and, and all this stuff, man, you felt like such a badass. I mean, it was, you just felt so cool. And if you'd move through this level so fluidly and just making these transitions from running and sliding and on the walls and jumping over things, it, it was, oh, it was great. It just was so much fun. And for me, it was a little unexpected because Titanfall you, the first one, I'm not a big, um, I, I don't play games online. I just don't, I I'm too old. I don't have the, 
you know, the, the Twitch reflexes, whatever to, to hang with all the kids who are playing online shooters, especially. And, and Titanfall one really didn't have any sort of campaign. I mean, they kind of said, Oh no, you, you can play it and you'll get these audio logs that'll kind of fill in the story. But when Titanfall two came out, I just, I wasn't that interested because I was concerned that it was going to be about the same thing. And while it still had all the online multiplayer and everything, that single player story for that game, again, the story, not necessarily great, but that single player experience, just the experience of playing through those six, seven hours, whatever, were just Mm -hmm. so tight, so fun. So, and again, you just felt so cool going through that world. And it never overstayed its welcome. Yep. Again, you're you're in and out in six to eight hours, and like the factory, you you are in this huge factory that is building prefab like dwellings, uh-huh. and they're like up on their sides or upside down or right side up, and you're just like jumping through all these absurd puzzles while you're being chased by all these people, and yeah, that the level of momentum and like constant movement that you can get to between like you said the slides and the jumps and the wall running you could just constantly be on the move and it was hard it, like i don't i'm not very good at shooters so it was hard for me to achieve that mm-hmm. but when i did achieve it i felt like a god i felt yeah. impeccable and you know that stuff it persists in apex legends i don't play that also because i don't play shooters online uh-huh. because i'm not good at it i don't like to play pvp games online uh-huh. it's not for me and so I have tried Apex Legends. I respect the hell out of Apex Legends, but I'm not going to play it yeah. because it doesn't have any single player. Well, but my if I want that it. feeling of single player, I go back to Titanfall 2. Yep. And, you know, Alex, my, my son, he loves Apex. That's what he plays predominantly. And I'll watch it and I get these flashbacks to Titanfall 2. And, and all it does, it makes me want to go play Titanfall 2 again because then I don't have to play yeah, with other people. Too. And I don't want to play with other people. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about it just last night because, you know, he was like, oh, I, you know, I, I'd love to play like an FPS, but I don't, I only have an Xbox One and I don't really want to play anything. And I was like, dog, the next time Titanfall 2 is on sale for $5, you pick it up. Yeah. And if you don't want to pick it up, you send me your account info and I will buy it for you for $5 because that is one of the most fun experiences I have had. So you need to play that game. Yep. It is absolutely worth playing and I think to this day, it probably still looks pretty doggone good and it plays it so does. well. Oh, and the one thing we haven't mentioned, sometimes you get in a robot. Yes, that's true. Sometimes you, you get to we play didn't in even a mech. mention, sometimes you get inside of the mech and the mech is 35 feet tall and you're just stomping people and shooting these enormous mortars and like, that's pretty damn cool and then you hop back out and you do some more crazy parkour wall running and then you run back over to the mech and he picks you up and he puts you in his belly and then you keep running it it's a dope game it's a really good game it is that's a great great pick i again fully support that decision and i'm not necessarily jealous or bummed i'm glad it got mentioned but uh, i guess i can't get that one on my list and it was definitely on the short list to uh to be picked with good reason okay what's your number three So my number three, I am going to go with Bioshock Infinite. Really? Yeah. uh, It's a, you know, it's one of those games that in the end, it's kind of too far up its own backside a little bit for me. And the whole idea of, you know, there's always a lighthouse and always a man. And the idea that you 
are the protagonist and the antagonist that in a split timeline, you know, you're, you're Comstock and the, but you're also still Booker and Elizabeth is your child from another. I mean, all of that stuff gets goofy, but let's just talk visually. The game is gorgeous. I love the art style. I love the way, you know, the first Bioshock, um, I thought was fantastic game as well. I still don't think to this day I've played Bioshock two, but the first Bioshock Buddy. was a good game, but it felt too oppressive to me always being, you know, underwater, everything's dark and dim. And so that was one of the things that I personally enjoyed about infinite more was the fact that it's so much of it is outside and you're in the sky at this, in this floating city and traveling from kind of platform to platform with this, you know, not quite a zip line, but kind of like a zip line thing. And I, I enjoyed the way that, um, they integrated Elizabeth into the gameplay where she'd throw you ammo or she'd kind of help you out and do stuff. I like the fact that you didn't feel like you were really babysitting her. You didn't have to go and like, you know, you weren't losing all the time because the AI for Elizabeth did something stupid and got her in a bad situation. And, and so I just, I really, really enjoyed Bioshock infinite. I thought that the gameplay was good. I enjoyed the mix as with the other Bioshock games of kind of guns, but then sort of a magic type system, you know, you've got these abilities and you can kind of mix them up and the strategy of what abilities are you going to use in what situations and how can they change how you're approaching different situations um, I really enjoyed that. And then there were some really great scenes. I mean, there's one scene in the game that again, it's been a long time since I played it, but I just remember, uh, you know, there's, there's an acoustic guitar and I don't remember if, if somebody else picks it up or if it's Elizabeth who picks it up or if you pick it up and you play it and she starts singing, I, I don't remember the specifics, but I remember it being a uh, moving and kind of evocative moment in the middle of this game uh, that uh, I enjoyed. And uh, so, you know, like I say, haven't played Bioshock 2. I think you're probably going to tell me in just a minute why I should, and I'm sure you're right. But for me, Infinite was the Bioshock <laughs> game I enjoyed the most. That's fair. Um, I really liked it when it first came out. I played it when it first came out, and I was like, whoa, this is so cool. I really enjoyed myself. And then I got Ideology, <laughs> and I went back to play it, and that's one of the most abhorrent experiences I've had in a video game in a long time. So, so I should be glad that I actually haven't played it since the first time I played it. Yes, I would not go back and play it. This is my advice. If you like it, don't go back and play it. Good to know. Good to know. And... Be, there's a scene in there where like the socialist revolution has to also be shown to be bad. Oh, the post-racial fighting against the racist anti-misogynist, uh, you know, Plutar plutocrats who control the government of this world. Oh, we need to make them evil. So we'll have the black lady who's in charge of them murder a baby in front of you. And you're just like, did you have to make it a both sides story? Ken Levine? Yeah. I don't think you needed to make this a both sides story. Um, so I don't like it very much, but I did enjoy it the first time it, uh, swinging on those zip lines is extremely exciting, but Bioshock two is the only one that I have an active desire to go play. If I were to go play a Bioshock game right now, I think it has the best level design of any of the three of them. Um, I think playing as a big daddy is really cool. Uh -huh. 
Um, and I think that that makes it very different than the other two because your movement is so much slower, so much more um, deliberate and your, you know, the tools at your disposal are different because you are playing as one of these antagonists of the first Bioshock game. Um, and again, it, like all three of the Bioshock games, it definitely gets up in its own ass about its political ideologies oh, yeah. because the first one is like, huh, libertarians are bad, which like agree. But then the second one is like, huh, communists are bad. And I'm like, mm, disagree. I don't think that's how this would go. And then, like I say, the third one is like, both sides are bad, <laughs> dude. And you're like, mm, I don't, I don't buy this. So po- politically, they're all trash fires. But I think in terms of the gameplay, I really enjoy the second one most of all the big sisters come and they are some of the best jump scares i've had in a video game is when those the first time you see a big sister and they're just like absolutely terrifying when when it's like you play the first bioshock and you're like the big daddy sucks but it ain't the end of the world you run into a big daddy you piss him off you fight him it's fine you kite him you throw some bees at him try to get him in the water shock him beat him up with your wrench it's fine Uh bioshock infinite those like guns of the patriots dudes that are like the huge automatons with george washington's face and like the eagle wings Uh a lot like the big daddy they suck you get a couple of those aggroed on you and you're like great let me kite around let me find things to do let me try to you know get away from this big sister shows up in bioshock 2 and you're like shit i am (laughs) this is not this is bad this is very bad and those fights are just harrowing and so i think that that alone makes bioshock 2 uh the best of the three uh but i just think it's a lot of fun so if you want to go play a bioshock game again i'd say two if you especially if you've never played it two really rules that's good to know and and it's one of those i've you know i mean of course i have them all and and have been meaning to play it but i don't know one of the things that you know may or may not become obvious over the course of me picking uh my lit making my list here is i haven't played a first person shooter in quite some time. So there aren't any real recent ones that have impressed me enough that I, that they're going to make my list. And that's just because again, for some reason, first person games just haven't really, I don't know. They haven't really clicked for me a whole lot lately. So I have not played anything really recent. So, and, and I haven't, I have noticed that. Yeah, I've I've noticed I play a lot more third person games these days. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because those are I play a lot more third person especially melee games like you know your Assassin's Creeds or to a certain extent your Horizons. Uh-huh. Uh cuz I usually I'm bad at that and I'm not very good at the bow part, so I usually shoot a few arrows and then I'm like screw this and run in and smack things with my spear until they die. Uh-huh. Uh and just three. I also I hate playing a first person game on a controller. I just do. Oh yeah, no. I'm just. No, no. I'm no, a no. keyboard and mouse kid for a first person game. Third person, you give me the controller. I can go play that on the PlayStation in the front room on the couch. That's great. Yep. But an FPS, no, thank you. I have to be sitting at my desk. And I have to have the keyboard and mouse in front of me, and I have to have a nice mouse pad. Agree. And like you know. So I just don't play them as often, I don't think, because that is... I've tried playing them on console, and I just hate it. Um, yeah. Very good. Well, what's uh, your number my third, three? My third choice, Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl, is a very cool game 
Have you ever played any of the Stalker games? So I own all the Stalker games. This is a common theme in my video gaming life. I own way too many games, more than I could ever possibly play. Look, I it's so easy to just buy them. It's so easy to buy them digitally. I did a dumb thing. You know how GOG Galaxy can integrate all of your game libraries uh-huh. into one? Yeah. Don't do that. Uh-uh. It just makes you feel bad. Uh-huh. I you did look it at, at the first number and, and you're like, it. the number is so big. I don't need to see the big number, Gog. Don't do <laughs> yeah. this to me. Um, but no, but, to so your question, I did the same I sort of thing where I bought Stalker. Them. I started it once. Good. It was, I mean, it, it came across as a little bit of a difficult game. And at the time I wasn't feeling it. I just have never gotten back to it. So it's extremely difficult. It's very obtuse. Uh, and you have to play with mods. You can't just play the vanilla game. You have to play with one of the many restorative and or reparative mods that they've made that are like, look, this is a busted ass game. And we know it. Here are some mods to fix it. And there are two different mods. There's one that is more like we're trying to make the vanilla game just run better. And there's one that like restored a lot of cut content and like did a really good job of of building the game out a little more. And mm-hmm. I definitely say play it with that latter one. Um, but it's just, I don't know if you've ever read Roadside Picnic or watched the, um, film Stalker, uh, highly recommend all of these things. If you haven't, you know, the book Roadside Picnic is extremely good. Stalker is one of the greatest films ever made. Um, and Shadow of Chernobyl is a game that builds on that lineage, but puts you in the position of being this stalker who is in this restricted zone in Russia where there are weird anomalies and, you know, toxic waste and society has completely fallen apart in the zone. Uh And, uh, it's just a really compelling game. I find it extremely, again, it's very tough. Like your, your guns don't shoot for crap. Uh, you can't aim in this game. Like you will have them dead to rights according to where the reticle is from your mouse. And then that bullet is just going God knows where, because (laughs) these are bad, cheap, you know, uh, these are bad weapons that are made ad hoc from supplies you can find. So of course they don't shoot good. They're like pipe guns. And so it's, it can be kind of aggravating sometimes when you get in big firefights because you will die three or four times and have to reload it and be like, okay, well, let's hope my shots are better. Let's hope, you know, my RNG is a little bit better when it comes to taking these shots. And so I understand why that can be off putting for people, but the experience of playing stalker and like, the loneliness of it, but also the camaraderie when you meet with the other stalkers and you build these relationships with these different communities. It's, it's a really unique experience that I find really, really exciting and really compelling. And I'm very excited for stalker two. Um, I really hope they don't blow it. I did not know this was coming. Um, stalker two is supposed to be out later this year. It's not going to be this year. It'll be next year. It'll be first quarter, 2023. Um, but it looks really good. It looks like they have nailed the feeling while looking like a modern, you know, 2020s game. Uh, and I just, I really hope it's, I really hope it works out. Cause I think that that series is really interesting. Even if it's not, it, I wouldn't say it's a great game in terms of the way you play it, but I think it's a very interesting game that leaves you with a lot of thoughts and a lot of questions and a lot of things to think about when you finish it, which I really value in a game. Cool. So, so question. It's cool. I like it a lot. Have you played any of the Metro games? Because aren't they kind of like spiritual uh, successors? Yeah. To Stalker? 
Metro 2033 and Lost Light both rule also. Okay. Because I... I nearly would have put 2033 on this list instead of Shadow of Chernobyl because Metro 2033 is killer. It's an extremely good game. Also extremely hard. And in that game, the guns maybe shoot a little better, but the problem is bullets is money. Literally. Yeah. Bullets is money. So every time you pull the trigger, you're like, that's money I'm spending (laughs) on not shooting this dog. Uh, yeah, the Metro games also rule. And again, far easier to get your hands on and get running right out of the box. Um, Because you you can get the Redux versions that will run on your modern Windows 10 PC or Windows 11 PC. No questions asked. You install it, you hit play. Works like a charm. Uh, So if you're interested in the idea of these weird post-apocalyptic futures where... And and Metro's a little different because, you know, the zone, there's a lot of big, empty, open, wide spaces, whereas in Metro, you're underground a lot because the surface is completely irradiated. You can't be outside for very long without dying. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, stuff happening down in the subway tunnels. Uh, But that game rules. I have not played Exodus yet because it got such middling reviews when it came out. Uh, that I just I own it, but I haven't gotten around to it because nobody who I know likes the first two liked the third one. So I'm like, mm. I don't know that I don't know that I ever need to play it. But you know, I might load it up someday. But yeah, the Metro games are also very good. Good, good to know. Again, own them all. Who knows which ones I'll ever end up playing? But good to hear your thoughts on them. And and the- if I were to recommend, I would say Metroid 2033. If you have them all and you want to try one of these six games, I would say either Metro 2033 or Metro Lost Light. Uh, even though I put Stalker on my list, I think that the Metro games are easier to get into. Stalker is a much more unfriendly thing to get into. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I had started it at some point and very quickly got that impression. So, all right. All right, what's your number four? Number four, I, I'm... I'm making a last minute change. I initially had something Ooh, I'd love to hear that here. And the more I've been looking at the list and thinking about it, the more I feel that uh, the next game on my list needs to be uh, Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast. Okay. I love this game. I it was Do you? I do. And I again haven't played it in years. But this is one of the very very few FPS games that I ever enjoyed enough to try and play online. And I actually did do some online multiplayer with this and online multiplayer with a, with, with Jedi outcast is a blast. I mean, you're, you're chucking your lightsaber at each other and trying to do force lightning and stuff instead of running around and and shooting each other with guns. And it was a lot of fun. And I don't remember that much about the story. I remember downloading the demo and playing it and, you know, it was built on, I think it's the Quake 3 engine, as quite a few games of this it time was, period yes. were built on. And so it played so smooth. I mean, I was running it on not even, you know, great hardware, but it played incredibly smooth. It was so fluid. It felt good. And I don't remember, you know, I didn't play any of the previous Jedi Knight games or Dark Forces at the time. And I went back and I tried to play, uh, I think it was the first Jedi Knight game. And it was difficult because the control scheme, you know, it was not designed for a modern control scheme. And, and so it was Jedi Knight Two, Jedi outcast was the one that really just, I felt like it was dialed in. They had a really good handle on, you, you know, shooting, 
having some force powers, using the lightsaber, and the way that as the main character, Kyle Katarn, you know, you progress throughout the course of the game and got new abilities and new force powers and such. It just, I remember thinking that it felt really good and I have incredibly fond memories of this game, even though I'm sure it's got all sorts of problems and there's all sorts of places where it was bizarre in some ways. But, you know, again, thinking back on my time with some of the games on my list, uh, Jedi Outcast was one that I think I actually played it through a couple times, which is incredibly rare for me. I do not play games more than once most of the time. And again, I enjoyed it enough that I actually did do some online multiplayer because just running around with that lightsaber, trying to hit people, whether it was melee or throwing the lightsaber or using the force powers in multiplayer uh, was kind of a riot. It was a blast. It was a good time and a lot of fun. Yeah, I really, I enjoy Jedi Outcast. I think Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight is not very good. Like you said, the control scheme is real rough and I am generally a person who enjoys FMV, but I didn't like the FMV in that game very much. Uh, so it wasn't even good for that. Yeah. Dark Forces rules. It's a Doom clone, so I'm go- I I can't put it on my list because I already put Doom on there. It's literally <laughs> built in the Doom engine, so it is just Doom. Doom, but what if you were fighting stormtroopers, baby? Yeah. So I love it. Dark Forces rules. It's one of the best you know FPS games. One of the best Star Wars games ever made in my humble IMO. Uh, but it's, it's, yeah, I like Jedi outcast quite a bit. And then I just love that. They just put it out on like switch a year or two ago. And they were like, Oh yeah, we just made it. So you can play, you want to play on PlayStation? Sure. You want to play on switch? Fine. That's cool. <laughs> it's this game's still you know, around. How old is it now? It's got to be at least 15 years old, isn't it? Uh, I think it was the early 2000s. So it's nearly 20. <laughs> That's crazy. But you know, and I just popped it out on switch and apparently you can still play cool, lightsaber battles on switch. Yeah. And I definitely, as with a number of these games, I think that the memories and perhaps in some ways, the nostalgia of them makes them better games. And so I would be hesitant to go back and play some of them because I think that there are a number of games that, uh, my opinion would be uh, altered were I to play them now. But, but in terms of kind of thinking back about some of these games, yeah, I just, I, I remember just enjoying the heck out of Jedi outcast and thinking that it was a blast. It was just a lot of fun to play. Uh, at the time good game. I was still really, really big star Wars fan. I had not, uh, let's say those, those feelings had not been completely scorched and uh, purified out of me through the refiner's fire of shitty movies. But, um, you know, I still, I still liked star Wars at the time and this was, this was a good foray, a fun foray into the Star Wars universe that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. It's a good one. I would really like it. It's a good game. All right. So what's your number four? All right. My number four is Dishonored Death of the Outsider. And yes, specifically Death of the Outsider. Okay. The first two are good. Death of the Outsider is the best one. And I'll tell you why. Please do. Because I... Dishonored was on my list, my short list, because that's the only one of the ones I played. I haven't made it through the, any of the other ones yet. And and I really, I liked the world of Dishonored. I thought it was interesting. Oh, it's good. Really fun game. Uh, but yes, please tell me about this one because I want to go back and I want to, it's definitely a game I plan on visiting. So Dishonored, you play as Corvo. You have to make a lot of decisions during the course of that game. Do I want to do a more high chaos playthrough where I murder murder a lot of dudes? Do I want to do a low chaos playthrough? 
knowing that the end state of the game will depend on your choices during the game, yep. right? So, the, you know, when I play that game, I've played it a couple of times, and every time I think to myself, I should replay this and make the dark choices. <laughs> do I ever make dark choices in a video game? No, sir, I do not. I am exactly the same How many way. times... How many times have I played Fallout 3 and thought to myself, this time I'll blow up Megaton? How many times have I blown up Megaton? Zero times because <laughs> I'm not a monster. And I can't be a monster in video games either. I need to be the savior of the wastelands, thank you very much. And so too with Dishonored. It was a thing where I made the game artificially harder on myself trying to make sure that I got the good ending. Yep. So making sure that I was knocking people out, hiding their bodies, making sure they weren't getting eaten by the stupid rats. Cause sometimes you'd knock someone out and then you'd look behind you and be like, great, the rats ate the dude. So now I'm not going to get a good score. So I'm going to reload the level. Dishonor two does the same sort of thing. I think the powers in Dishonored 2 are even more dope, especially if you play as Emily, don't play Dishonored two as Corvo. Okay. Play as Emily. Emily's powers are cooler. Um, and like, again, who wants to play as an old dude? I already played as him in the first game. I want to play as his daughter in the second game. Sure. Oh, she's the empress and she also has cool darkness powers. Let's roll. <laughs> so it's very cool. The aesthetic is a little more realistic, which I liked the weird cartoony aesthetic of the first game, maybe a little more, but the second game plays a lot better uh -huh. because I think Emily's powers are, but again, it was even harder to play on good mode because Emily's powers are even more lethal than Corvo's are. Uh -huh. So yeah, that, that was again, my one. you have to make a lot of decisions. Mm -hmm. And that was my thing. Dishonor, Death of the Outsider. Yeah, go ahead. No, you don't make those decisions anymore. Death of the Outsider. You don't care. You're Billy Lurk. You need to kill that black-eyed son of a bitch. And that's all you care about. So there's no more chaos. So you can play that game with as much violent abandon as you want, knowing that it is not going to be like, you got the bad ending at the end of the video game. And then make you feel bad because you're like, oh, well, I could have gotten a good... No, there isn't a good or a bad ending. Like, you just play that game. And so suddenly the cuffs were off i didn't have to try to keep everyone alive so i killed more people in death of the outsider than the other two games combined and like it didn't matter it was i was just like a murder machine <laughs> i kill every guy i came across because like i'm a angry mercenary pirate lady like yeah let's go let's kill and so being outside of that like false morality shackle that the first two games put on you really, I think, makes Death of the Outsider a more fun experience for me because I'm not constantly doing, well, how can I sneak just perfectly so I can knock this dude out and then I need to hide his body before? No, nah, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. They're all dead. Noops, no one can see anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's very good. But you still have, and she has a cool mix of the two's powers where she has some of the things that Emily has, some of the things that Corvo has, and it really makes for like the most satisfying kit, I think, of the three of them. Uh, and again, it's nice and short. It is not a very long game. It's shorter than the other two. I really liked Dishonored 2. It was maybe a little long, but Death of the Outsider was like the perfect length. And Billy Lurk was a very cool protagonist. I really liked her as a character in Dishonored 2, so it was really exciting to get to play as her in Death of the Outsider. It's a good game. It's a real good game. I'll definitely have to play it. Uh, I enjoyed Dishonored a lot. There were a lot of really neat things I liked about it, but I did kind of what you mentioned. I did have a problem with this idea that 
you know, I'm the same way. Every time, I mean, I'll use Mass Effect as a perfect example. Every time I play Mass Effect and I say I'm going to go full on Renegade, I never do. I never do. I can't do it because I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a pansy, whatever. And it was the same thing when I played Dishonored. I'm like, well, no, I got to get the best ending. And so I spent so much time hiding, waiting, trying to figure out how am I going to knock this person out and then hide their, you know, just all of these things to avoid creating chaos that I, I love the idea of being able to go and just go crazy. Death of the Outsider is the game for you. You can just go hog wild because you know it doesn't matter. It's just fun. Yeah. No rules, just right. Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> anyway, what's your number five? So my number five, and this is a tough one. And again, I'm, I'm glad we're going to be doing a bring out your dead round because I've definitely got a few on here I want to talk about, even if it's briefly. I'm going to go with uh, the original, the first Deus Ex. Um, and I'm going to go with... I'm glad it. someone's doing it. Well, and I'm going to go with it because I, I again, tough to go back to. Definitely is not one of those that's aged super well. But at the time I played it the first time, I found it so enjoyable to use those powers and kind of figure out how am I going to tackle this situation in, you know, in, in, in all the different ways you could do it. I mean, I remember so much hiding in, in ventilation. Well, not, they weren't ventilation shafts, but like the ones that were in the floor and using those to get from place to place. And again, being, you know, sniping at times and knocking people out at times and just the way you could mix all the different play styles. And, and I don't recall feeling like you were being penalized depending on what you did, but you weren't, but now you, you know, just being able to kind of take all the different situations and say, all right, with my augmentations and everything, how do I want to tackle this? And again, you know, it's a silly, you know, cyberpunky sort of future and setting. And the story is again, a little goofy and everything, but I really, really enjoyed Deus Ex. Never did play the sequel. Haven't played any of the more modern ones. Again, own all of these games cause I'm a sucker, but that first one just hit that sweet spot for me of you could play it guns blazing and you could totally take it slow. You could snipe, you could sneak, you could hack, you could do all these different things. And it just felt like you had more flexibility than even most games to this day give you. And I appreciated that. And I enjoyed the heck out of that game. Oh, I have very fun memories of that game. Um, I've played all of them except for Mankind Divided, um, and none of them are as good as that first one. Yeah. That first one remains like a seminal text in uh, immersive sim design, um, which I really like immersive sims. Obviously, Shadow of Chernobyl is an immersive sim. Dishonored is an immersive sim. You know, uh, the Bioshock game, System Shock uh the good prey not the bad prey from the early 2000s what do you mean what? those are all you, the, you really calling that one the bad prey i'm just kidding i'm kidding it's not a great game dude the new one rules the that one where you like a weird native american dude with weird native american powers that feel really appropriative and a little racist still has some real fun spots in it but it's not a good game no it's not but but the new one is a pretty okay game I've heard that. I think that the design of the enemies is kind of not great, but the powers are cool. It's like if you liked Bioshock, but you want to play a game like that, Prey is right there and waiting for you. It is extremely cool and has some very cool um, 
playing with the spaces. Uh-huh. You get a goo gun that you use to like build bridges places or like things like that. It's it's a cool game. So I really like uh, immersive sims and Deus Ex remains one of the best immersive sims I've ever played because it gives you so much story and so many options and ways that you can interact with the world and everything is tactile and everything is usable and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a real titan in the genre still to this day. Um, Even if it does play really clunky and even if the story is a little goofy, there's a lot to recommend about Deus Ex still. Yeah. I, I just, again, a lot of this is nostalgia, and I know I keep saying that, but I just, I so enjoyed the experience of playing that game and going through and just taking that time to explore all the different areas, like you said, and really kind of immerse yourself into that world because it gave you the opportunity to do so in a way that very few games of its time did. And and even I don't think is super common uh, at you know now and so it does it really yeah, stands it's out. really not i mean the only studio i can think of that's really making these these days is arcane yep and you know your... the dishonored games and prey and that's about it yeah it really is and i want to say and it's a shame because i think it's a really cool genre I, I could be wrong but my something in the back of my head wants to tell me that there are uh, there's some lineage there shared lineage between uh, Ion Storm, I think, who's who did Deus Ex and and Arcade. There is. I think there's some there's some commonalities yeah, in person. There is. There, so, yeah, a bunch of a bunch of the Arcane people were former Idos and Ion Ion Storm dudes who went and made Arcane. Yeah. So you definitely see that, and you know, uh, you see especially in Prey a lot of the stuff that Deus Ex did, and through the lens of maybe System Shock and Bioshock. Nice. I'll definitely have to play it. It's. You know, that Prey game is one of those, again, long list of games, but uh, I picked up some point on a sale and just haven't gotten around to. It's pretty fun. All right. Tell us, what's your last game? What's your final pick? I had some trouble deciding for my last one um, because there's a lot of good ones on this list. But I think ultimately I'm going to do, I don't know if it's the predictable thing or not, but it feels like the predictable thing (laughs) and do spec ops, the line. Have you ever played spec ops, the line? So I have heard so much about spec ops, the line that I, well, again, while I own it, have not played it because I feel like you probably don't need to, I don't need to. I've, I've heard so much about it and seen enough, seen it mentioned in enough YouTube videos here and there that, that I don't feel like I need to, but, but you know, please let's, let's talk about it because it sounds like it's, absolutely worth being on this list or on, on, on these lists to me. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I do think that, um, the YouTube, uh, critic kind of, uh, enclave holds it a little too high and sees it as like this almost unimpeachable, like work of art. And it's still just a goofy video game where you kill a lot of dudes. <laughs> right. So I don't know that it needs to go on that pedestal. That's like when people are like, this superhero movie is the pinnacle of cinema. And you're like, it's a dude in tights beating people up. You can still enjoy it. And I often enjoy them, but it's still a dude in spandex punching some other people. This is not the pinnacle of cinema. Mm-hmm. This is not This is not beyond Twilight, guys. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but Spec Ops Line isn't that either. You know, those those games exist. You know, I, 
I didn't put this on the list because it was FPS games, first-person shooter games. If I had done first-person exploration games, the top of my list would have been Outer Wilds because that's one of the greatest games ever made. But we're talking shooters. Spec Ops The Line needs to be in that conversation. Uh, You know, it is a game that is a shooter. It has a lot of, you know... It feels, when you start it up, it feels like you're playing like a Battlefield or a Call of Duty, and then things start to get messy, and you start having weird hallucinations and, you know, weird firefights in this weird desert area, and eventually it becomes like a Heart of Darkness analog, uh-huh. um, or Apocalypse Now, if you want a, a filmic reference rather than a, uh, a uh, literary reference. And so it becomes this thing with a, a you know, a, an... Uh, commanding officer and your character and i don't want to really get into it more than that if you haven't played it and you don't know it like peter does you should go play spec ops the line it's really good and takes and and makes you think about shooters and makes you think about the military in ways that most of those military shooters don't um i just think it's a really good game it's 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 an entertaining game to play and it makes you think when you're done playing it which is half the fun nice well, like I say, it's definitely something I've heard about uh, again, picked it up at some point, but yeah, kind of don't feel like I need to go play it. And so maybe someday I will, but I think it sounds like it does some interesting things and I completely agree with your assessment that nothing about it makes it sound like it uh, deserves to be sort of held in such rarefied fashion as it is. But, but uh, you know, I give them props for taking what looks like initially a fairly standard modern military shooter and, and at least trying to kind of, well, and was a sequel to, to those. Yeah, exactly. And, and was a sequel to those. The other, the earlier spec op games were just like call of duty knockoffs. Yeah. They were just that. Yeah. And so then spec ops, the line comes out and it's like, what if military bad, which again, not revolutionary, but in terms of the genre at that time, is kind of groundbreaking because at that point it was all call of duty and battlefield saying military good hoorah and so this game comes out and it's like but what if no what if military bad what if soldiers not good guy and you're like oh video games never made me feel like that before so you know it's a little trite, especially again, it's 2022. I think that lots of us are like military bad. Yeah. We, we've been known, uh, but it's good. It's still a really good game. Cool. Well, like I say, I've heard about it and I think that it sounds like it, uh, it deserves to have a spot on here and I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad you had played it enough to bring it up and put it on the list. For sure. All right. So I'm going to run through the, the entries on my short list that didn't make it. And then let's have you do the same. And then I think it's worth spending a few minutes talking about some notable absences from our lists. So I didn't have a ton. I think that makes sense. Uh, that didn't make my list. As mentioned, I certainly had Titanfall 2 on there for all the reasons we've talked about. Um, I, I, I had Doom 2 on my list, again, for the reasons we talked about. I had Wolfenstein 3D on my list, not so much because, again, I think it's a great game, and for all the reasons you mentioned why Doom is a much better game, 100% agree, but I'm old enough that I remember when Wolfenstein 3D came out, and and again, fairly mind-blowing for for someone who had been playing, uh, you know, King's Quest and Knight's Quest and, and those sorts of games, and then all of a sudden we had this 
um, you know, this, this shooter that was, uh, I mean, it was different than just about anything else at the time. So for sure, uh, dishonored was on my list. The, the first one, because that's the only one I've played and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game. I thought it was a neat world was held back a little bit for me again, by this kind of dichotomy that it created where if you don't play it the way the game wants you to play it, they're going to make you feel bad and, um, actively try and make it something that, that I don't want to, if I'd say punishes you, but, but you kind of feel like you're getting punished if you don't play it, uh, the low chaos way. Um, yeah. Unreal tournament 2004. So why did I pick unreal tournament 2004? Well, you know, again, none of the other unreal games made it on the list and I love the first Unreal Tournament, but I went back to the original Unreal Tournament after Unreal Tournament 2003, uh, the demo dropped. Now, I was in med school at the time that UT 2003 uh, came out, and we all were required to have laptops. And so we'd be sitting in this kind of big auditorium, 100 or so of us in class, and the Unreal Tournament 2003 demo dropped, and I got a couple other people to download it. And we would sit there on the, uh, uh, the Duke, uh, medical school network, and we would, uh, play unreal tournament 2003 and frag the crap out of each other during lunch when we were in class. And so I loved that. And then when 2004 came out, it kind of took everything that was good about 2003, including the maps and the weapons and the visual style and everything, and just made them better. And so my absolute favorite unreal tournament game and really unreal game at all is, is UT 2004, uh, fun game. I did have on here the last two, uh, I had halo three. Um, I think that halo is an interesting series in that, uh, from a lore standpoint, boy, it, talk about something being up its own ass. Um, but I played, but the coolest names. Oh yeah. The coolest names that you lose once Bungie's gone. And Halo 4, 5, and 6 don't have good names for things anymore. I was playing Halo 1 earlier today to remind myself about Halo games. And the bad guy ship is named The Truth and Reconciliation? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, they came up with great names. That's the coolest. Oh, the map room is called The Silent Cartographer? Uh-huh. This is cool. They're, those games are cool. And, and while I don't think that Halo 3 is by any means the best game out of the series... Halo 3 was the one that at the time it came out, I had an Xbox 360 and I had some friends and we went to the GameStop in uh, West Lebanon, New Hampshire. We bought it at midnight. We went home. We started playing. We used to get together, you know, anywhere between 12 to 16 of us in one guy's house with 12 to 16 different TVs, 12 to 16 different Xboxes, all plugged into a 16 port switch. And we would just (laughs) sit there and we would play (laughs) Halo 3 against each other, all sitting in the same room. Um, or, or spread out through whatever rooms in his house that we could make it work. And I just had so much fun with that game. So it definitely made my, as, life. as the parody song of the mid 2000s said, Halo, it's all you play. Oh, <laughs> it's kind of true. And then the, uh, the final one that was on my short list was serious. Sam, the first encounter. Um, I love serious Sam because it played so well. The weapons were outlandish. The enemies were crazy. It was this kind of ridiculous game and did not take itself seriously in any way, shape, or form. In many ways, kind of was just a almost like a middle finger to a lot of the games that were coming out at the same time that was just like, hey, screw trying to be authentic. Screw trying to be 
gritty. We're going to be ridiculous. We're going to be silly. And we're going to throw more enemies at you than, than many computers at the time could handle. And you're going to have fun just blowing crap up. So um, the first encounter was the Serious Sam game that really hit me the most because it was this kind of breath of fresh air that came out at that time. So those are, those are my short list. What are yours that didn't quite make the cut? It's a good short list. Um, let's see some of the ones on my short list that did not make it unreal tournament 2004. It's a classic for a reason. All the things that you said, it is uh, some of my favorite, uh, experiences, memories are playing unreal tournament and unreal and UT 2004. Um, which is funny because I've never played Unreal Tournament three, and I don't know that I ever will. It's not, uh, really but worth Unreal it. Tournament. I mean, it's yeah, it's well. it, it I, looks cool. Yeah, and I'm not everything, surprised by that. But it just doesn't play anywhere near as good as 2004, or even the original Unreal Tournament. I'm, honestly, I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, so yeah, that's definitely on my list. On a longer short list, I probably would have put Wolfenstein: The New Order. I do enjoy those new Wolfenstein games. I think that there is a lot in the machine games Wolfenstein things to enjoy, um, and I think that the gameplay in New Order is better. While some of the wild stuff that happens in New Colossus makes it a more fun game, uh-huh. I mean. I watched Hitler blow a young Ronald Reagan's brains out on Venus, and then I <laughs> killed Hitler with my bare hands while he peed and pooped himself because he was a doddering old man. It doesn't insane. get any better than watching. It doesn't get any better than watching Hitler murder a young Ronald Reagan who's trying to be a fascist sycophant. That that's as good as it gets. Um, so yeah, I think that New Colossus maybe would have made my list, even though I don't think it's as good of a game. Uh, it just has some real wild stuff in it. Um, you get decapitated and put on a new body. Like there you go. It's that kind of game. Um, Clive Barker's undying was on our short, was on our list. Uh, and I have very fond memories of that game. It's not very good when I've gone back to try to play it since, but I remember being so scared by that game when I was a kid and it still it has a great atmosphere. It doesn't play super great. It's really kind of clunky and ugly today. Yeah. But man, when it came out, it was something else. Yeah, it did have a lot um, of atmosphere to it. If I were to pick a Halo game to put on mine, it would be Halo 3 ODST. I think ODST is the best Halo game. It is really good. Um, Which is, you know, I have interesting feelings about all the halo games i think halo one is pretty good i think halo 2 sucks to play but the arbiter is really cool uh-huh. and i wish they would have just made a game about being the arbiter because those are the best parts of halo 2 and the rest of halo 2 really sucks halo 3 is good like you said halo 3 odsc is my favorite reach was not a very good prequel i didn't need a prequel about the people who i know die from the very first game like that's okay Agreed. great modeling way to end your tenure with the series bungie yeah uh, and then I've not played any of the three, four, three games because as far as I am concerned, Halo three said, finish the fight. So I finished it. the <laughs> fight, got the fight been finished is how I feel about it. And I've, I've only played Halo um, four since then. And, um, I enjoyed it and I just, you know, I have five, I, I have infinite, uh, someday I want to play them, but I got I got the Master Chief collection installed on my PC. I installed it, you know, because I took it to work last week and downloaded all of that DLC for all six of those games in that uh, pack. And I'll probably slowly work my way through them again and get to four. I never got to it, but uh, eh, it's just okay. Yeah, agree. And uh, 
again, a thing that I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, offhanded, if if we had been doing non-first-person shooters, if it had been first-person exploration games, I really think Outer Wilds uh, needs mention because I genuinely think it's one of the greatest video games I've ever played. Um, but there's no shooting or violence that you do whatsoever in that game. So even like with Portal, like we talked about at the beginning where the violence is kind of secondary, it's still a shoot. I still have a gun that shoot holes. Yeah. Whereas in Outer Wilds, there's no, you don't have anything like that. Hmm. It's, that's not that kind of game. It is a weird exploration game. Have you ever played that one? I haven't. And I'll have to check it out. I actually looked oh, it's it up so while you good. Were about it because it's not something I was familiar with. It is so good. And it made me cry which is always a plus for a video game that touches me in such a way that it makes me cry. Um, but again, it's not a first person shooter, so I didn't put it on my list, sure. but if I were to revise my list to add it, I would kick spec ops the line off and put doom maybe down one and put that on the top. Wow. Cause it's one of the best games I've ever played. I'll definitely have to um, check it out. And then of course, system shock Two, angry robot. Mommy want to kill me. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> you know, I just never got, into uh, system no shock system shock Two. System Shock 2 is a great game, and when the remake comes out, it is either going to bomb spectacularly or be one of those games that people are like, yo! So I'm very curious to see what happens because I I think System Shock 2 is, along with Deus Ex, those two games are like the pillars of what uh, immersive sims can and should be and the best immersive sims learned from those two games. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, that's part of why... You know, if you liked Bioshock, System Shock's a lot harder than the Bioshock games. I will say that up front. It oh, is yeah. a lot harder. System Shock 2 is. Um, but they, you see the lineage of System Shock, System Shock 2, to Bioshock, and then finally to Prey being kind of the culmination of that type of uh, immersive sim. And I think that that lineage is very interesting. And System Shock 2 is a really important foundation in that lineage. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, I was looking at my list and one game I did forget to mention, um, it was Descent 2, you know, in, in the thing I mean, they kind of said, was. you know, I, I feel like Descent was a different beast, even though it kind of went on to, you know, we got Free Space and Free Space 2 and all that. But again, one of those games, I remember getting Descent 2 from the kind of 999 CD-ROM rack at some software store and um, just playing the heck out of that. And and being so, I wouldn't say confused, but just kind of all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm not just going up, down, left, right. I mean, you know, left, right, forward, back. I got to go up and down. I got to think about these maps in three dimensions. Uh, and and that was a blast. It was a good game. And I like Descent 3. I, you know, I, again, played through all those, enjoyed them, and uh, would be remiss if I did not mention uh, that one. And plus it had an amazing soundtrack for the time. I remember, you know, you could, it was one of those, you could just put it in a CD player and it would just play the music. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I tried going back and playing the descent games a year or so ago and I couldn't really get into them. Unfortunately, the control scheme and this, this is also true for free space. I tried to play free space and free space two a year or so ago. It's not a very friendly control scheme to a 2020 brained person Uh um but they sure are cool still and i and i won't lie again i was looking at this list earlier today and i realized i had overlord in my uh steam library which is the spiritual successor made by the people who made descent and i thought to myself 
should I download Overlord and play it? I did not, but I thought about it. <laughs> I have it downloaded, and I fired it up once. I don't think I've played it more than that, but I did fire it up once, so I'll say I got that. Well, there you go. So let's talk about a few, I think, notable things that are missing from the list, and I'll give my opinions on why I don't think they belong, and, and then let's hear yours. Um, you'll notice there are zero Call of Duty games on here because I think Call of Duty is ridiculously overrated, and I have tried to play them, and while I enjoyed the demo for the first call of duty. And I remember it feeling fairly epic and stuff. Every time I tried to then go back and play one, it just did absolutely nothing for me. So zero call of duty for me, just not something I'm interested. Here's in. the thing. Everyone says call of duty for modern warfare is like the good one. Listener. It's not a good game. It's a <laughs> bad video game. Uh, I regret to inform you that it is objectively a bad and in many ways, racist video game. And, uh, and that's the best you got. So no, no call of duty for me either. <laughs> they are, I have tried, I've even tried three or four of them. You know, I, I get them. I never, I never actively purchased one, but I have gotten many of them for humble bundles yep. or, Hey, here's a free giveaway. Or I got black ops three. I got black ops four. I got world war two. I got infinite warfare. I got advanced warfare. Got more than I got, I do. Uh, and I've tried some of them, and they're all bad. Everyone, not a single good Call of Duty game. Yeah, I'm staking my claim. Not a fan. The one I did that with was Battlefield. My brother-in-law um, was big into Battlefield, and so I was like, oh, well, I'll get the Battlefield games and I'll play with him. And I got, oh, I think I got three and four and maybe five, and I just never played them. And they just did nothing for me. And, uh, so yeah, battlefield not on here either. Haven't followed it since I think there was a fifth one that was in the modern setting. And then they went back to anyway, I don't know, whatever, not interested. Well, there was, there was V there was V which was world war two. There was battlefield one, which is world war one, which came out in between four and V. And then there was battlefield 2042 that came out last year and was so dead on arrival that literally no one is talking about it, even though it came out like three months ago. Well, then I guess it was only three and four because I think those were the two that were in sort of modern times and they, they were they yes. just, you know, they didn't do anything for me. Yeah. I, I've never played a battlefield game. They all look bad. Yeah. I tried battlefront two, which is the star Wars version of battlefield also did not enjoy it. You know, I, got into, I mean, I tried the battlefront games, but it was the same thing where it was like, well, this is just online. Like there's really no single player to yep. speak of. And, and again, I don't, I don't, I have limited time to play a game. And so I don't want to have to play a game so much just so that then it becomes fun when I'm playing with other people, like give me a good uh -huh. tight single player narrative. Give me a punchy experience that lets me get in, move through the story and be done and feel satisfied and I'm happy, but be like, well, if you really want to enjoy this, you're going to have to, you know, you got to put in all this time to get good enough at it that you can actually enjoy playing it. Well, then that right there, I'm like, boom, I'm out. Not interested at all. So hard pass. Um, one franchise that, you know, and I'll mention the whole franchise, even though really the first game is the only one I spent a lot of time with that uh, I think has a lot going for it in some ways, but was not good enough to make the list for me. And that's Thief. Um, I think that the first Thief game was awesome. I remember playing it and just being like scared big time. Like I'm playing it in a, in a dark 
room in our first, you know, not, well, I guess it wasn't our first, but our second apartment when I was young in the late nineties. And, and that game was kind of terrifying in, in a cool way. And it's spooky. all the neat little things, you know, water arrows to, you know, extinguish lights and moss arrows to make it so that you didn't make any sound when you were walking and all the things that that did. I don't know that I ever finished it, but I do remember really enjoying the first thief game. But again, I figure if I didn't finish it, it doesn't belong on the list. For sure. Um, you know, we briefly one mentioned, thing. Yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, one thing uh, that we were talking about before we started recording that is notable in our absence from both of our lists is the Far Cry series. <laughs> I was literally going to say, because we were talking listener, about why this is bad. <laughs> listener, the Far Cry series is real racist. Every, uh, all of them that Ubisoft made real racist those first two that ubisoft didn't make can't really speak to but uh i fired up many of them thinking people talk well about those far cry games and here's the thing i guess i'm a sucker for open world games we talked about this i think i don't know if it was on the pod or if we talked about it just amongst ourselves i like an open world game I, you know, you give me Assassin's Creed and it's like, here's the whole of Egypt. And you're like, great, I'm going to go explore for 120 hours or the Horizon games. Here is the entire West Coast. And you can travel from Las Vegas to San Francisco in like five minutes. Don't worry about it. It's video games. Uh, Loved those games. And so I thought to myself, well, what if you melded a big open world, climb the tower, make the map appear with first person shooter. Far Cry is right there waiting for mm-hmm. me. Made by Ubisoft. I enjoy the Assassin Creed games, even though they're too long. They're not good. Hmm. They're real bad and real racist and don't play very well because they're in first person, even though in many ways they are like an exploration game, like an Assassin's Creed. And you're like, I really wish I could see bus- b- to the side and to the back of myself while I was doing these things yeah. because these enemies hit hard and there is no armor in this game. So you get hit by three or four bullets and you're mostly dead. And this is not very fun. Uh, and again, I tried three, I tried four and I tried new Dawn. all three of them. Extremely racist guys. So racist. Like, I three was the one that I played earlier today. So I can most easily talk about why it was racist. You play as this like rich white kid who tell like parachutes onto this Island. That's controlled by these, you know, pirates who of course are all people of color. And so you are just murdering them left and right. But the good people of color give you the tatau, which are mystical tattoos that are all tribal and that like make you strong. And as you level up, your tattoos magically appear on your forearm and that makes you more powerful. And so there's all of these like people of color with these really offensive accents being like, oh, brother, you have the tatau. You are a great warrior like us. And you're like, yo, guys, this is not okay. <laughs> this is extremely racist. <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. This is literal white saviorism because I am a white guy who has been given the power of the native like savages to go and kill these pirates who have abducted my brother and my girlfriend. And it's just like, yo, this is not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. I, I played the first Far Cry all the way through to completion. I didn't think it was very good. I haven't played any of the others. Just didn't love it. So sounds like I'm not missing a whole lot. 
Well, and the people I trust say Far Cry Two is the one good one, and I tried it, and I was just like, "This is not. This is not for me." Oh, and it's see, I, I've heard that it takes a very unique kind of person to get into Far Cry Two because of some of the mechanics, the malaria, and all this kind of stuff. It sounds like it's yes. a fairly punishing yes. game. And again, I, I'm at a stage in my life where I don't take huge satisfaction from getting through punishing and difficult things. And so most of the time I'm looking for something that, uh, that is easy that I can enjoy. Um, and that, you know, either tells a good story in an interesting way, like portal or, um, you know, makes me feel like I'm, I'm pretty awesome and capable, something like Deus Ex, you know? So one other game. Yeah. I play games on easy mode. Yeah, totally. And I respect that. I make, I'm, I make no aspersions against anyone who else wants to play on easy mode. You give me a game and it gives me a list and I go, what's the highest on the list? That's what I'll play as. Uh-huh. Uh, cause I just want to chill. I, my life is hard and long enough and I just want to chill. I hear you hundred percent. One other game. And the, I think the last one that I want to mention, well, I will mention, you, you notice we don't have any quake games on here. It was funny. I actually forgot that there was a fourth quake game when I was making up the list. Um, Quake One and Quake Champions. There's a fifth Quake game. Well, yet see, and I didn't even know how to count that. Uh, Quake was, I mean, the first one was cool. I suppose I remember liking the second one. Quake Three was just multiplayer stuff, and that just wasn't for me. I I enjoyed Unreal Tournament more than I did Quake Three, and then after that, I just wasn't interested at all. So I don't know. Quake really never did anything for me. Um, but one game that I, I mean, the soundtrack to the first game oh, yeah. still slaps. Oh no, soundtrack you, great! You play that today. It's uh, it's Trent Reznor doing his weird ambient. Like, oh, did you like Ghosts One through Four that Nine Inch Nails made? What if it was spookier? Yeah, the Quake soundtrack is right there for you. Trent Reznor did it in 1996. Uh, but yeah, two is boring, and four is a sequel to two, so I was even less interested in that. Yep, that was why I didn't play it. So. The last one I wanted to mention that I, and the only reason this didn't get mentioned earlier is I got sidetracked. I don't know. I started playing it. It was fascinating. It is cool as heck. The environments are awesome. The mechanics are super cool. The story is weird and wacky and wild, but I haven't played enough that I just didn't feel I could put it on here. And that is Control. Uh, Have you played Control? Well, also it's a third person game, so it doesn't make oh, a Is it third anyway. person? No, you're right. It is third person. Oh, balls. It is. Jesse's in third person, so you know, it's not allowed to like be I on say, the list. See, my brain is so addled these days that I was like, oh, it was control first person? But nope, you're, now that you mention it, you're absolutely right. It is third person, so. I will say I've not played it. I want to like it, but it was very hard, and I'm not very good at shooters on control uh, on controller, and I had that game for my PlayStation. Mm. So I played it for a couple hours, and I was like, mm, no. I think I have a PC copy, too, again, from some Hundle Bundle or something. So maybe now that I have a better PC, I might give it a try again. Maybe when I can aim decent, it will be more fun. But I just like was playing and I just like died like three times against some of the early enemies. And I was like, I don't got time for this. I think you'll find it much better on uh, PC. That's what I played it on. And I don't remember the controls feeling difficult or anything, but I do. Like I say, the one thing is as you get the new abilities and everything, I remember feeling like it's one of those games that it will control better on a controller in terms of accessing your abilities and some of the powers and stuff. But 
obviously aiming and moving and everything is just so much better on a mouse and keyboard. So it was, I got frustrated a little bit with it because I felt like, you know, if I had the different buttons of a controller right there, ready to go, it would make this easier, except for the fact that controlling many games and, and really aiming with a controller is kind of garbage in many cases. So, well, I, I got a 12 button MMO mouse baby. Ooh. So let's see if I can rebind any of those control things onto that. And then I'll be in like Flynn. I bet you can. So, well, any other games that yeah, you want to I, mention? That, the style, the style of that game more than anything, the, the atmosphere of it really appeals to me, but I just couldn't, it wasn't good enough. Yeah. Well, any other games that you want to bring up before we wrap this up? I don't think so. I think that we've done a pretty exhaustive list of why <laughs> first-person shooters are pretty good, but also why neither of us really play them that often these days. Well, you know, and there are certainly expe- exceptions, but so much of the focus these days for first-person games really feels like it is on multiplayer shooters and things like that. And, I, and it's just not for me. It's not for me either. It doesn't interest me. I don't want to spend the time. So, again... Give me something, you know, Portal, Titanfall 2, anywhere four to eight hours, nice, tight story that I can play, I can enjoy. And when I'm done, I can feel like I can move on and that I got my, you know, my, my money's worth and that my time was well spent. That's what I want. Don't make me work to just to enjoy your game. So that's where I'm at at this point. Agreed. In my life. Well, again, agreed. We'll wrap it up now. I think that was a great uh, conversation and I look forward to chatting with you uh, next time. Uh, Please, if you're uh, listening to us, first of all, thank you so much for giving us a listen. We would love your feedback. Please subscribe uh, in the podcast player of your choice so that you'll get this every two weeks when we we go live and publish it. And uh, if you can, please leave us a review. We would, again... We'd love a five-star review. I think that we, uh, I think that we're deserving of that. And if not, uh, let us know what we can do to uh, to get there. Other than that, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up and look forward to talking to you next time, Braden. Uh, go get your TI eighty three. I bet you can install Doom on that. And run Doom. <laughs> you know, I have a MacBook with a Touch Bar, and I am pretty sure I saw that somebody got uh, Doom running in the Touch Bar on a MacBook Pro. I have seen that. You know, play it while you're playing other things. It's great. It's one of the greatest <laughs> games ever made. Play it everywhere. There you go. Put it on your Switch. It's fine. There we go. I, mean, I should see if you can get it on your Apple Watch. Maybe maybe they can do that. There's the ticket right there. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, and I uh, look forward to talking to you next time, Brady. We'll see you.